You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And welcome to another post-game edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. Not the way we wanted it to end tonight, as it looked like the Stars were going to pull off two points, but unfortunately... They fall towards the end with Colorado getting a late night, uh, late period goal, and then a follow up with the great Nathan McKinnon in overtime as they take out the Stars. Stars do pick up a point, but it's not one of those things where you leave the barn happy with just a point. I am happy to be joined by Robert Tiffin. He is of D Magazine, and always great to have Robert on this post game show. How are you, sir? Doing all right. I uh, I stayed out of any collisions or cross checks, so I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> I guess we should start there. Um, a lot of chatter about um, the refereeing tonight, and I, I did want to get your thoughts. Um, you know, calls, missed calls. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I I don't think it was the the game, but you know, wanted to get your perspective. Yeah, I think I think it's it's pretty rare where you can say, you know, oh, we did every right everything right in the game, you know, where a team would say that and then this call got wrong and so that soured the whole thing for us, right? That's pretty rare. Sometimes it'll happen like playoff overtime occasionally you hear that or whatever and then there's, you know, a lot of a lot of chatter for a day or two. This this wasn't that. I think uh, you know, in the second uh in the second the Avs had some grief about the high sticking uh call that that led to that power play goal yes um and certainly you know the stars on, on their broadcast uh pointed out a couple josh manson cross checks uh one on on duchene right before uh, a rather iffy call on dadnoff that led to a an avs power play goal so you could say it evens out there right each team got a power play goal power play and they might quibble with you know the double minor or they might quibble with the the missed call right before the other call etc but uh, at the end of the day, you know, each team scored a power play goal uh, and, you know, the mistakes that that lost this game for Dallas probably weren't made by the refs at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's the follow up question then. What were your thoughts on the mistakes tonight? Yeah. Well, it's it's hard to, you know, get inside a coach's head, especially right after a tough game like this with an injury to your best player. You know, when obviously the, the mood is going to be for, for everyone except Jim Nill, the, the mood is probably going to be pretty rough. Um, 
you have to look at that at overtime, right? At least that's where you start. Um, and then you have to look at that goal at the end of, uh, actually, I'd say you look at two goals. You look at both of those, those kind of comeback goals where the abs punched back right after the stars went up. Both of those, both of those were kind of tough. Um, that that's, you don't really want that, especially the goal right at the end, uh, right yeah. at the end of the, of the second for the abs, you really want to go into the intermission with a two goal lead there, have your plan, a game plan, but instead drew in scored to, to make it three, two. And, and so then the abs started the third, you know, a, a little closer than the otherwise would have been, you know, you can't play what if, but if the abs don't get that goal, then that, uh, that Tyler Sagan fourth goal for the stars makes it a four, one game. And in, in that third period probably looks a whole lot different from that point. Um, the other mistake of course is, is Jason Robertson losing the puck in overtime, but overtime had so many chances back and forth yeah. that it's hard to pin it all just on that one. Yeah. I mean, just from a pure hockey sense, the fans have certainly got their money's worth at the AAC for this homestand. <laughs> Been a lot of uh, crazy uh, hockey played, but exciting hockey. I mean, win or lose still exciting hockey at the AAC. Let's go back to before the game, Robert. You know, where uh, a couple of guys that I thought have actually played pretty good, Ty Delandria and Nils Lundqvist, get the scratches and Radic Foxa uh, back in, uh, as well as uh, Joel Hanley. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's kind of unfortunate for Lundqvist because this is a game, right? Especially in the third period when when Haskin goes down pretty much at the start of the third, where, where it's kind of, you know, uh, next man up, everyone has to kind of step up and, uh, this would have been a chance to see, right? Can uh, Nils Lundqvist, can he can he handle regular turns against an Avs team that's really pressing? Basically a situation that he's largely been sheltered from having to play in for a lot of the year, how he could have done. Uh, we didn't see that. Uh, you, you know, my my gut feeling is that the, they know, I mean, they even said it after the game, I think Duchesne said it post-game, that they know what the Avs want to do is create chaos and use their speed and use the skill, especially their top line, and just keep the game so high octane that they pull guys out of position. And so you wonder if the coaching staff thought, okay, Joel Hanley, he's at home, right? We have last change. So we can use him in situations where, you know, he's not going to have to be a crucial part of the transition game, but he can kind of keep just keep things settled down, allow Thomas Harley to do his thing, whereas they're maybe more worried about, about Lundqvist uh, getting out of position, right? That's that's the gut feeling that I have is that that might've been their thinking. Uh, but it's unfortunate the way it worked out. Cause it would have been a really fun game to see him in for, for better or for worse. Yeah. Yeah. Plus their physicality. I felt as though they tried to exert it at times and, uh, you know, he heavy on the check, uh, uh, net front presence. I feel like a lot of teams are trying to do that against the stars. Um, you know, and that's one of the concerns I see as we head toward the playoffs eventually is, and I know nowadays you can't, quote unquote Craig, L Craig Ludwig, the guy out of the, you know, in front of the net, you know, with a two hander. But at the same time, I mean well, unless you're Josh Manson, then you can cross check whoever <laughs> you want. <laughs> it's that vet cup experience, I guess. There you go. Uh, but at the same but at the same time, it does, you know, I do I do have a concern as far as it does seem as though uh, a lot of times um stars lose positioning in front of the net. Mm-hmm. There's, there's some good and bad when it comes to the, obviously the bad, anytime, you know, you have an injury to Haskin, however bad it ends up being, I guess we'll find out tomorrow. Uh, it, the concern obviously is what do you do? Cause the decor obviously isn't, isn't what they need it to be. It hasn't been what they need it to be. And it probably isn't what they want it to be. Just the fact that they've been rotating the defense and the pairings kind of tells you the coaches know that. 
Um, and net front, especially against a team like the Avalanche, I mean, how many goals, right, were they able to stuff in at the at the front of that or at the goal line, right, trickling behind Wedgwood, yep. that stuff Drew in got. That's where you'd, you'd hope that, you know, that's where Lindell and Hockenpah would be able to be clearing them out or boxing them out. But when you have the pace of the Avalanche and a lot of good teams, frankly, Vegas was the same way we saw in the spring. Uh, it's not just about size anymore in, in today's NHL. It really is more about positioning. And uh, the abs were great at getting you out of position, uh, especially when you're defending against them for long stretches like we saw. In the yeah. You know, I brought this up with Sean and Sean said to me um, yesterday, he said, what are you talking about? And I said, I, I don't know how else to say it. As good as he is, I just don't read about Nathan McKinnon like I do about the McDavid's and the Matthews and, you know, and I wanted to get your thoughts if, if, yeah, if, if you hear his name a lot, I, I, I mean, I hear it, but I just don't hear it in the same circles as some of the others. And it almost should be like, is this, you know, could this yeah. guy be one of the best in the league? You sure. know, I mean, stats say yes, but it's not really talked about amongst like a lot of circles. I, my theory is that one of the reasons, and maybe particularly people in Colorado, feel that he's underrated because there has been some talk about him being a little underrated or underappreciated or whatever you call it lately is that he's used differently than a lot of top line forwards. I mean, he, he plays more than most defensemen on, on teams, uh, yeah. which is pretty uncommon for a forward. I mean, tonight he played, you know, over 26 minutes, uh, Miko Rantanen played 28 and a half minutes. I mean, right. the abs use their forwards, in a, in a very different way than a lot of other teams. And frankly, when you have a player like McKinnon who has a motor that never stops, when you have a guy like Makar, you can put out with him. And I mean, Valerie Nachushkin played, you know, 24 minutes. I mean, when you see that they can do it and, you know, Jared Bednar just won a cup with these guys. Uh, I think it leads them to believe this guy's out here basically every other shift, right? Especially we've seen in the playoffs, McKinnon's out there basically every other shift. So he kind of is your team. So, where where's you know in the all-star voting and everything mvp voting he's generally been in he's gotten a lot of top five appearances i think he's finished second once or twice in the last in the last five or six years to me that feels about right so i don't i don't feel like he's underappreciated i just feel like he's been playing behind you know he's from the same place right he's from cole harbor like Sidney crosby and Sidney crosby you know generational player just just at another level from day one always kind of has been also has missed less time, I think, than McKinnon Crosby. Did, you know, don't quote me on that. I'm going to get a lot of angry, angry East Coast guys at, coming out at me now. Um, <laughs> but uh, and now Connor McDavid, right, doing things, doing things just otherworldly. So yeah. I think McKinnon's kind of just been it's kind of like we saw with Sergei Zuvov back in the day. Like he's really good and the hometown people feel like, you know, Lidstrom is constantly getting more press than than Zubov. And right or wrong, that's just kind of the nature of being in, you know, not one of those prime TV viewing markets. And, you know, you're still a top five player at your position in, in the league consistently. That That's great. I think that's enough for me for McKinnon. So I don't feel like he's, you know, criminally underrated or anything. I think just the way he's used combined with the fact that he is very good causes maybe some some people closer to him to want everyone else to see, you know what, this guy's actually better than Crosby. This guy's actually better than McDavid if you just yeah. watched him. And, you know, to be fair, he's really exciting to watch. He, he really is. He, he really he, is. He, he certainly is. Another guy that's really exciting to watch is Matt Duchesne. And maybe the Haskinen injury, if we'll see tomorrow, if he is out for a period of time, this might happen anyway. But 
I want to get your thoughts on running the power play through Duchesne, not necessarily put him in at the point, but I mean, it's his passing ability tonight and his eyes and just his sight line, just so impressive as far as, you know, the puck movement and the ability to find, you know, that player that's open on the, especially the power play. Yeah. Yeah. Duchesne. I mean, he, he, had I think it was a first assist on both goals it was at least I I don't know what he was credited with but um he he certainly set up both both of those goals right both on the power play with that just slick cross ice pass no doubt right and that's you know because he replaced Robertson that's one thing you have to point to that with Robertson when he is struggling not to say he is but in overtime he did hesitate a little bit and then ends up losing the puck Duchesne it's rare that he hesitates. He always seems to have a plan for what he's going to do before he gets the puck. Once he beats a guy, right? Once, once Duchesne uh, turned a corner uh, for that, for that uh, goal where Sagan ended up putting it away, he knew exactly what he was doing. He, he turned the corner and, and just didn't hesitate at all. And that's what you want to see from, from your top players. So you think, you think that that's the sort of thing that you'd probably want on a power play, especially one that's been, you know, not quite as stalled lately as it was for, for four or five games there. But, yeah, especially, you know, the Stars are going to need a spark. I, I think you probably keep Duchesne up on that top power play, at least for a little while. Uh, you know, you you got you to gotta be getting something from that top power play consistently. You just you just can't go dry for another four games. You, you really can't, especially as you go into, into late winter and spring. And Duchesne always, always seems to add something, especially on the man advantage. Yeah, maybe it was matchups, but I did think prior to the scratches, which were announced earlier today, I thought to myself, you know, actually, maybe Delandry will be in and they might sit Dodonoff again like they did on the Florida road trip. Um, And, you know, good move by Pete DeBoer because I actually thought that was that that line was had good energy and real good legs and Wyatt Johnston was extremely active. Uh, he had a great game. Yeah. Wyatt had a great game. Yeah. Wyatt was all over the place. Uh, I thought Dodonoff was, you know, quick and fast, although, you know, one of the Colorado goals was a, uh, a tough neutralized turnover um, mm-hmm. that he kind of overskated. But I think overall that was a good line tonight. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, I uh, that that line has its you know has had its warts. It was so good last year, right? Especially after they got yeah. Dodonov at the at the deadline, that they're kind of a victim of their own success in in that regard. Because how do you live up to that kind of down the stretch and crunch time and in the playoffs being such a great line in in Johnson's rookie season? Now everyone knows him, right? And he's had to fight through some stuff. But uh, I feel really confident, especially a game like this. Wyatt Johnson looked good, right? He. He matched up against a really good team in a really frenetic game, and he he was all over it tonight. He looked really good. So I think he, that line, honestly, that line is going to go as well as as well as Johnston goes. I don't love everything about Tadinov's game when he gets a he. There's some over try in there sometimes, like with that puck you mentioned. He overskated. That's getting a little, fa- especially right after you go up yeah. by two goals. 
that's getting a little fancier than you need to in the neutral zone. Even the angle he's taken right there, you can kind of tell he's trying to get some extra separation and cut in with some speed, you know, through the center of the neutral zone instead of making a slightly simpler play there. And, and I don't think the coaches are going to love that. Even if it's not his fault, if the puck hits a puddle or something there, that's still, that's still a little rough, but I, I feel really good about that line because of Wyatt Johnston first and foremost, he's, he's only starting to look better after, after struggling a little bit early. I think, I think they're going to be just fine. Whatever, whatever matchups they get. So Robert Tiffin joins us. And when he does, we have some good Twitter activity. So here we go, my friend. Good. Passion, I'm, I'm friend. sorry about that. I guess. No, this is good. This is good. My man, Steven at steady rhythms was at the game. This may have been the most frustrating loss yet, perhaps with bias 280 characters. Isn't enough to list every maddening mistake that dominoed into giving up a must win game. If Miro's out long-term, this team is in jeopardy, right? It continues. It was so infuriating that the crowd was absolutely roaring during the six on five only for Fox to miss the easy empty net with all the time in the world. And then for Hockenpah to push Wedgwood into the net for the ass to tie the game. It's almost like the hype distracts them. Well, okay. Where do we start with uh, Steven? Uh, uh, a, let's start with a positive, Robert. Absolutely love Steven's passion. Yeah, they, they, hey, being a, it sounds like he was at that game too, and and yeah. these are the sorts of games that, like you said, you you get your money's worth for these sorts of games. They're a blast, even if they don't turn out, you know, at the end of the day, and you have an injury. I mean, I I I was, you know, I was at the Stars game last playoffs against Seattle, where where Joe Pavelski came back and scored four goals, yeah. and they lost, and they lost against <laughs> Seattle. It's such a you you have no idea how to feel walking out of a game like that because they lost. But you also know that you've seen something just incredible. So it's it's very, you know, in a slightly lower, lower on the scale, that that was this game, right? This was a fun game. Both fun. teams, both teams created great chances. Both yeah. goalies had some amazing saves. Georgiev had some incredible saves, especially in overtime. Uh stars probably deserved to win it in overtime before it even got to the goal. Yeah, um, this is this is a game too where if a person was going for the first time, it creates those lasting memories that they yeah. want to go again. This is what develops fandom because this is the kind of hockey you want to bring a passive fan to to say watch. And I mean, it was so up and down. It had a little bit of everything. Yeah, I, I, my question would be, I think, to Stephen, what's more frustrating, this game or the Montreal game, where? They yes. fell behind to a team they never should have trailed and then had a really frenetic comeback and came so close, but didn't quite get there. They're both frustrating, but in very, very different ways. So not to be a Pollyanna or anything, but I think I'll take a game like this all day long, even though, you know, the stakes are higher. It's a central division rival. Uh, you know, obviously the injury is a whole other thing. So so you never want to see injuries. That's a, that's a different factor. But I, I'll still take a game like this, even with all the bad. Um I, and I would also request that Roddick Fox to take a couple extra strides next time before he shoots at the empty net. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, as far as if Miro's out long term, this team is in jeopardy, right? I mean, we're looking yeah. at Jake Ottinger being out fairly long term right now, and the team, you know, is maintaining, and that's what you need to do um, when injuries happen. So uh, we'll see. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I, I do. I mean, the, the problem is going to be the time on ice. Um, that and everything that Miro does, um, and that's all encompassing, so that's going to be tough to replicate, but at the same time, uh, you know, a lot of veteran presence on this team, so um, you know, let's just get through tomorrow and uh, see what it's all about. Sam Green, 
Uh, seems like a cop-out, but can we blame the refs a touch here on this one? Also, I know we have no cap space and we can't just trade uh, nothing for something, but how in the world do we win without a no Miro or Otter? Otter? We got to keep uh, find a way to make a trade or something, right? Once again, let's find out how long the injury is. If it's a long injury, it might have been precautionary. Uh, we we just you just don't know. So we'll find out tomorrow, Robert. But there there is as far as cap space. If he is out, then it does alleviate some cap space. But you know, no amount of cap space is the, is the point right now. That's you, you're not going to be able to go out in the market and get another Miro Haskinen. No, uh, no. It's kind of like, you know, why they say land's so valuable. They're not making it anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same, good point. <laughs> I same like for that. Miro, right. You don't, you don't see Miro's, you don't see Miro's, you know, around uh, and it, you know, and we forget too. Kale McCarr was drafted the spot right after Miro. There's oh, so many cool narratives in games like yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's why it hurts so much to see. And by the way, the stars did a pretty good job of controlling McCarr. In yeah. This game. So Very good. Was, that's a little bit underrated. I think that give their forward course some credit for, for well, everyone really against, against McKinnon, everyone's on deck. It's not just a defense on forwards matchup. Uh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see what they do. The, the stars really are. I mean, it's been what we've talked about for a lot of the year, right? It's, it's Haskinen and then it's everyone else. There's really not that true number two there. I will say, we saw it in this game. Thomas Harley took McKinnon, took Haskinen's minutes in this yeah. game. That's what happened. He, he yep. ended up with something like 24 minutes or 25 minutes in this game. He played every other shift. He played most of the shifts in overtime. Uh, I think Lindell had one half shift, and then there were a couple three forward shifts, which were really fun to watch. But it's clear that DeVore, uh, you know, we already kind of saw it, um, and maybe they were trying to be, you know, take it a little slow and not overload Harley. Yep. But I think kind of now is the time, right? You're missing Ottinger, and if you're missing Haskinen, Now's the time you find out what Thomas Harley's made of. And quite frankly, it's time. I, I think he's shown he can handle it. And uh, honestly, I'm kind of excited to see what he might do when you give him a challenge like that. And so you hand him the keys, as it were, yeah. see what he might do. So, yeah. you know, again, a little bit of a bright side to a, to a really dark cloud. Uh, but that's that could at least be a stopgap um, while they also look for a longer term solution if needed. And one of the things that. I did notice as far as how DeBoer plays minutes when Nils Lundqvist does play, he plays a lot more minutes than Joel Hanley. Like for instance, tonight you have an overtime game. Joel Hanley's only getting 11 minutes, 46 seconds. And you know, you go down the list, Hakapau with 21 Suter with 19 Lindell with 26 and Harley with 24. That's not many more minutes than you usually see. Joel Hanley sticks around the nine to 11 minute mark, whereas Lundquist, they'll push a little bit more. So, uh, I mean, Joel Hanley's a veteran, but it is interesting that you replace Nils Lundquist, but then you protect him a lot as far as minutes. Yeah. Some of it was that second period was weird with the, with the, you know, yeah. a, lot of, a fair amount of special teams, but. But yeah, I think I think it's clear that neither of them is really, you know, the coaching staff's first choice for a regular third pairing defenseman. Um, the other thing to be said, though, is that Lundqvist also the last three games he got, I think, were two against Chicago and one against Montreal. So those are teams that are not in the same tier as the Avalanche. So you wonder, you wonder if if this is still kind of showing, OK, we still want to get Lundqvist some games when we can and give him a chance to show us to show us what he's got. But in crunch time, kind of like we saw down the stretch last year when the stakes really start to go up, if they are always going to turn to Joel Hanley and just try to try to shelter him. Um, and, and, you know, if they don't 
quite trust Lundqvist yet, but we'll see. Uh, especially yeah. now, the, there's there's uh, no no. They only have six defensemen right now, so we'll see what they do now. Assuming Haskinen isn't ready to go for the next game. Yeah, as far as refereeing, we did touch on it, but I mean, I'm so glad you said that, Robert. I don't know how they looked at it on replay and still deem that that was a four minute high stick. It they reviewed it too. The yeah, the, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, the language. So I looked up the rule during the game to make sure I had the language right. And uh, the the exact language is when a player carries or holds any part of a stick above the shoulders and makes contact, you know, with neck, head, head or face so that injury results in the manner of drawing blood or otherwise, the referee shall assess a double minor penalty. So they reviewed it. Yeah, I didn't see any blood. Maybe there was some inside the lower lip. Right? Right. He got hit hard. I mean, yeah. he got hit hard right there. It, it looked painful and yeah. I mean, the way Haskinen went down, you know, it, that, that was obviously painful. He got hit right. pretty hard. Johnson's stick was fine. You have to be responsible for your stick. Even if you, you know, are kind of falling down there. Yeah. But it must uh, be the otherwise part. It's gotta be, but that's so vague. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I, Miro came back out on the power play immediately. We just, we got to get away from that. I think that's something that, that the NHL could do better is, is just clean up that rule altogether and just make it a severity of contact type thing right uh every stick in the face is different but really one that kind of inches up and scrapes a guy in the neck and he throws a head back out of instinct that yeah. should be different than one that like this that whacks him in the face regardless of which one draws blood uh, yeah you, i think you could usually tell pretty well which one is more serious the blood thing is just so silly because it's it can be so arbitrary sometimes yeah yeah absolutely as far as some of the stars no calls it's tough to say. Sometimes the refs are going to call them. Sometimes they're not. There's. Yeah, I I will say DeBoer was pretty animated about those two. You could yes. tell uh, on the bench about the, especially the cross check on Pavelski. That's right along the half wall at center ice or right by the penalty boxes. Rather, I think it's center ice. I mean, that's, that's right in the middle of the ice. That's a cross check, you know, facing the boards. That that's, that's the sort of play, right? That at the start of last season or the season before all the refs kind of got the memo, right? Yeah. Get rid let's cut down on the cross checks. So they know this is an issue. It's Wes McCauley and, uh, and a pretty rookie ref. I think it's, it's Braden Schrader. I might not have that name, right? But Wes McCauley has been around a long time. Everyone knows him. A lot of times he's at the top of the player polls for the, the, you know, most liked official and things like that. So he's definitely a little bit more of a let him play type of guy, but man, that both of those, the one against Duchesne, but especially that one against Pavelski, that seemed to be the one that really set DeBoer off. And, and you can see why, because they're really the only reason not to call that is because you don't want to call a penalty at all in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at MB Tendy, how concerning is Robertson's play been for you guys this season? Was not a fan of the final shift from him and OT. Ultimately resulted in the loss. Stars also desperately need Otter back. Wedge is fine, but his rebound control has cost us at times. Cheers, guys. I think Wedgewood has done a real nice job as a backup goaltender coming in, but I mean, clearly we can see there's a difference, and that's why Wedgewood is the, you know, the backup and um, you know, makes some really, really good saves. Um, stylistically, they're completely opposite. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it's interesting. Also interesting that Jake Ottinger made the all-star game. So <laughs> that's a whole yeah. other podcast, right? Well, dude, I'll give you, I'll give you one sense there. You yeah. know what? Jake Ottinger made the all-star game because they can't afford to have Quinn Hughes miss the all-star game. So if, if yes. they get a different goalie, you have to take that your Demko. You can only take one from every team. So Demko's in the Canucks, like Quinn Hughes. So if you take Demko, now Quinn Hughes has to be voted in by the fans. And the Hughes brothers thing is just too, it's one of the only really good, you know, personality storylines the NHL seems to have, more broadly right. speaking, this year. So they can't risk Quinn Hughes not being at the All-Star game. So they always had to pick him. That means they need a goalie from another team. 
and you feel like they just went to the win column and just kind of went down yeah. the list. Yeah. And, and in fairness, it's not like the stars have someone, you know, who's they have tons of players who have been scoring a lot. They have, I think right. they lead the league when in, in double digit goal scorers, which is good for the team. It just means you don't have quite the standout candidate anywhere else. So, you know, yeah. all things being equal, the all-star game selection process is about as meaningful as the all-star game itself. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, good, good for Jake Ottinger. He deserved yeah. it. You know, it, it's ironic because it's probably the worst start to a season he's had in the right. last three years. But yeah. this is the one he gets selected for. You know, yeah. that's how it shakes out. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, a lot of competition. Matt Duchesne would have been a uh, a nice candidate. Um, you know, at the same time, um, I think Stars fans take a step back and understand your goalie's in it, but also Connor Hellebuck's in there. So mm -hmm. uh, that would have been really, um, that would have been really tough. Yeah. Um, because he has just vaulted Winnipeg this year and has been absolutely outstanding. So uh, congrats to uh, Jake Ottinger. Uh, Robertson's play, Robert, um, you know, he's, yeah. it's not like they're going to scratch him. Um, you know, <laughs> at times we've seen Jason Robertson, but, uh, I will quietly raise the concern flag as far as it's just not the same puck, you know, seem like the puck was hitting that stick perfect last year. And it doesn't seem like those same opportunities are coming his way. You know, um, Craig did point out on the podcast a few weeks ago that he felt as though Robertson had to get kind of back to the basics, get in tight a little bit more and, you know, get some rebounds, get that confidence going. Yeah, I think I think you've seen that a little bit with Johnston. They're not they're not identical in terms of the type of player they are, but you've seen that with Johnston where his play his you see his confidence in a lot of different plays, not just when he's, you know, coming down the wing with the puck or something like that and more traditional like scoring chance type. Or, or at least, you know, playmaking areas. Uh, you've seen that confidence in a lot of different places. Um, and I think similarly for Robertson, he's at his best. You know, it's tough. He's he's one of those goal scorers. You know, it's fairly early in his career still, but he certainly gives you the feeling of one of those goal scorers. You know, Miko Rantanen's not dissimilar from him in a lot of ways, right? B pretty big guy yep. who's going to have hot streaks and going to have cooler streaks. The important part is that he's part of a really productive line and that he gets hot enough and at the right times uh, to be what you need. I think with Robertson also, you know, there are some memories of, of like the playoffs last year. He started cold, right? And then and then he heated up, uh, you know, as the playoffs went on, to his credit. So maybe the same thing will happen this, this season, too. And we'll see him continue to kind of heat up. Uh, he's that type of player, right? He's never, he's never going to be a, you know peak Jamie Ben, you know, power forward, who's just always going to be having those games. But in some ways, he's a little bit more like Jamie Ben now, where he's going to have games that look like that. And then he's going to have other games that seem a little quieter and, you know, concern flag quietly raised. I think, I think, you know, clearly DeBoer felt that way, at least about the power play and took him off. But he also put him right back out there in overtime. And, you know, he had a pretty good shift on the, the second shift in overtime. And then at the very end of a, you know, I think a two, almost a two-minute shift or a long shift in overtime, that's when that he lost the puck. So, yep. you know, we've, we've seen enough Jason Robertson, I think, to, to have some frustrations. But I think concern is still just, again, he's a victim of his own success, too. Uh, court, court, Lee, eight. Um, I'm not saying the officiated handed Colorado the game, but I'm saying it was a flaming bag of dog mess. It's been atrocious all year, not just the stars or against the stars. Also love Raddick Fox. Uh, he isn't back in the, if he isn't back in the press box Saturday, I'm going to scream. Absolutely. Um, blew it. 
Um, couple Foxa comments tonight on that uh, empty net, and that is always tough. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if the the love from the coaches um, continues. I know they really like him as a player. I know they love how consistent he is as far as, you know, always being healthy and always getting in the lineup. So um, I'll just say this, uh, a couple of things. So for Stars fans, the NHL taketh and, or sorry, the NHL giveth, the NHL taketh away. Um, you scored two goals just recently against Nashville. And how do you think they felt against UC Soros? So that was two points that you probably shouldn't have had, or at least maybe you take home a point tonight. You did get a point, but they took you, they took away a point and that's the NHL. It's going to happen throughout the season. I love your point about like, Hey, if you're going to be disappointed, Robert, you pointed out perfect. Be disappointed in Montreal the other night. That's a, it's a great point. It really is, my friend. That's because uh, because I'm with you. I, I didn't feel as though, you know, I talked about it with Sean in the next pod, and he said, well, you know, teams are going to lose games. And I totally get that. But if you're upset about tonight and you do have a right, it's a passionate, it's one of those high priority games because you're battling this team in the Central Division. But at the same time, you know, probably could have put in a better effort against Montreal the other night. Uh, Landon Lushner says, uh, Ben moved it to him. Great captain moving forward, trying to get guy going, but Ben had as good a look at the empty net as Fox did. He should have at least tried to hit the empty net. Uh, your teammate. I don't, I don't know about that. I think when Ben had, yeah. he was like near his own blue line. So right. he was a little further away and he was turned the other direction. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I love I, it I when your team. I love it when your teammate David Castillo checks in and <laughs> just yeah. says Fox with an empty net. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I will say, you know, back in the day, one of the coolest things, you know, almost ten years ago now, when Lindy Ruff took over, was him telling everyone just shoot at the empty net. We'll take the icings all day long. Yes, and, you know, at the end of the day, I, I kind of agree with that philosophy because what what's the upside to that you know the downside is a 50 50 chance right icing or maybe slightly below that but especially the stars are a pretty good face-off team a 50 50 face-off chance in your zone the upside it's basically you win the game if you score an empty net goal you win the game so if you have a good good enough look to where you think you have a pretty good chance uh, at hitting that empty net yeah take it you can win the game right there fucking your stick and do it so uh i i think you know it's hard going from that and then seeing a player who's who's been with the team a long time and you know this could work out a certain way and then you see them shoot it right into the defender you think you know what just look for a slightly better you know treat that as a playmaking opportunity instead of a you know got to get rid of the puck really quickly but again a player like foxa who's who's recently eaten some healthy scratches you wonder if you know the pressure is a little bit a little bit higher on him and you know he's never had a he's not tyler sagan with the puck on his stick nor nor should he be he's a different type of player so, you know, you, you don't expect him necessarily to, to make the, the Matt Duchesne sort of play right there. But yeah, it's still frustrating yeah. as a fan. Right. Oh, a absolutely. And for the next nine days, here are your opponents. Predators, wild, wild, predators, Blackhawks. So if Miro is going to be out. Now listen, they lost to Montreal the other night. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I mean, those uh, Nashville is fighting for a playoff spot, but. The Stars are proving that they can beat Nashville. Minnesota is, you're hitting Minnesota at the right time, I think, um, with Kirill going, um, uh, being injured and out of your lineup. So, you know, there are some winnable games in there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
All right. Uh, Matthew Moore, Dallas seemed better at cycling the puck, maintaining offensive zone pressure against the Avs, and they're having games against other top teams this year. Did their game tonight have the same impression on you? And do you think that it's an area they need to improve for on the playoffs? What do you say about that, Matt? I, th- I think that's a good way to kind of forestall their rush offense because the abs are so dangerous in the rush is don't just go for a one and done chance in the zone, right? Especially with, with their defense, you know, their chances, right? Duchesne had one on, I think it was a uh, Ryan Johansson where he saw, I can turn the corner of this guy and he, and he absolutely did. And it led to a goal, but there were other times where they were a little bit more patient in the zone. They had some good overlapping going on too, especially higher in the zone uh, hints, hints a couple times too, where they were actually getting momentum. And so then those handoffs, you know, along the wall, they, you don't lose your chance when you hand off the puck because you got enough momentum going. So it seemed, it seemed pretty intentional. Uh, That would be my guess is that that was part of their scouting was, Hey, we want to spend time in the offensive zone and not just take one good chance and then hand it to McKinnon and, and have to weather a rush and a ton of crazy zone time against. So let's try to wear them down in their zone a little bit and be a little bit more patient strategically. Uh, it seemed like it was part of their plan. Who knows if it actually was, but it certainly seemed like it. And honestly, it seemed like it worked pretty well. Against the Avs, you do whatever you can to slow them down, and keeping the puck in there into the ice seems like seems like the way to go. Yeah, you retweeted Seam uh, Maziak to see how crazy the Central Division is. Avs are now 2-0 and against the Stars. Stars are 2-0 and against the Jets. The Jets are 2-0 and against the Avs. That kind of says it all. Mm-hmm. That's the hey, they deserve there. There's your top three, right? That that shows you what you're dealing with right there. It's yeah. all random. It's all random. Yeah. Just get to ab- the playoffs. Absolutely. Okay. So at Robert Tiffin, and each time uh, he comes out with an article, so follow him. And when you see him post an article from D Magazine, the goal is hit that click and then click about 20 more times just so uh, we can get uh, Robert to the top as far as uh, those D magazine uh, uh, clips, the same with my man, uh, David Castillo. So what else can we promote for you? My friend, you're a beast. Uh, I got some other stuff actually coming up in the pipeline, but uh, I'm going to kind of save that for Great. when it's all ready to go, but some other, some other writing and stuff too. So uh, there's stuff coming down the pike, but uh, it's, it's always good to check in with y'all. And I think it's going to be, a, it's going to keep being a fun season. Yeah, absolutely. And uh Yeah. Send it our way, and uh, I'll be sure to uh, promote it on uh, on Spits and Suds. Thank you so much, man. Really, really appreciate it. I know it's late at night, and uh, it's a big game, and I'm so glad I was able to talk about it with you. Right on. Anytime, Gavin. That's going to do it for another edition of Spits and Suds postgame. We'll have a fresh podcast out for you tomorrow right here on 105.3 The Fan.